0: We have been looking in our Sunday night series on the doctrine of God, sometimes referred to as theology proper, which has to do with study of God himself. Sometimes when we talk about theology, it encompasses all the various doctrines, but theology proper is on the doctrine of God. And the title that I've given to it is The Incomparable Greatness of God, taken from Psalm 145 verse 3, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is inscrutable. And we've considered the greatness of God in terms of attributes that God has that are um, non-communicable. These are attributes that he alone has that we don't share in those. And uh, they speak about the eternality of God, that he's eternal, he's self-existent, self-sufficient. He has no beginning, he has no end, he has no need. He is self-sufficient in himself. He's the great I am. Last week we began to consider some of the doctrines that we might consider to be communicable attributes or the goodness of God as it relates to God's creation, as it relates to us. And last week we spoke about the holiness of God, that God is absolutely holy, um, that he's set apart from all that is. He's transcendent. There's a majestic holiness about our God. And then also his holiness is there is this uh, separateness from all that is defiled, all that is unclean. He is absolutely holy. And uh, so we continue tonight, and we want to talk about the love of God and this, as we think about this doctrine of the love of God, it really kind of embraces in itself like holiness, it kind of spills over to the righteousness of God, the justice of God, the wrath of God, really, every attribute can be described as being holy, and as we think about the love of God, it kind of takes in its embrace too things like his benevolence, his grace, his mercy, his kindness um, and so We want to talk about this again, uh, the love of God, the overflowing love of God. And I want to begin with the overflowing love of God in eternity past. We read here in 1 John 4, 8, and we've spent a lot of time in 1 John, and we're familiar with this, I think, I hope. But it makes this statement, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Here is just a statement about who God is. It attributes this to him, that he is love. This is one of his attributes. God is love. Um, We see that God is holy. God is light. God is just. He is righteous. And here is stated that God is love. And love by nature is not something that is self-directed. Love is something that flows out outward. It flows out to others. Um, we were mentioning this morning, I mentioned a lot of times people talk about love. You know, love is love or love is all you need. But often that kind of love that we see in the world is its not really love, it's really lust, isn't it? It's all about me. It's Sometimes I remember Larry Crabb talking about when a, when a couple often gets married... They're standing there and taking these vows, but often can be in the heart of one of the individuals, or maybe even both of them. You know, I'm I'm taking this person to marry me to 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 serve me. Um, and he used the illustration. He said sometimes in marriage you have a tick on a dog relationship. Um, what does a tick do? It sucks out, doesn't it? It sucks out for itself. And then he said, in some marriages, you have two ticks and no dog. And uh, sadly, that uh, describes often many marriages. But love is not like that. Love is not a tick on a dog. Love is something that flows outward. And love assumes something outside oneself um, to whom love is directed. So as we think about that, when we think about God, and it states here that God is love, we want to consider the love of God before he he created anything in this world. Wayne Grudem said this, God's love means that God eternally gives of himself to others. So love is self-giving, and it's for the benefit of others. And this is part of God's nature to give himself to bring blessing or good for others. And so how did God, before the creation of the world, how did he display love? If love is overflowing and is outgoing, how is this love displayed in eternity past? If God were a solitary being, not the triune God that we have in the Bible Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How could he be essentially love in eternity past when love love involves loving outside of oneself, loving another? In a book that I, I really appreciated by Michael Reeves, I really have come to appreciate him. He's one of the speakers often at the Ligonier Conference. He wrote a book, The Lighting in the Trinity, and as I was reading through that, there was this little phrase that just really kind of hit me God is love because God is Trinity. God is love because God is Trinity. What we have is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit from eternity past expressing love to one another. Turn, if you will, to John 17. John 17. Jesus, here in his high priestly prayer, as he's praying to his Father, as he's ready to go to the cross, we read in verse 24, Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me. Think about that. Jesus prayed that for us, the ones that were given to him by the Father, I'm praying that the ones you gave me, they will be with me That where I am, and that they may behold my glory which you have given me. I want them to see the glory you've given me. Um, Peter, James, and John got a glimpse of that, didn't they, when they saw Jesus on the Mount of tr- the Transfiguration? But notice this last statement, for you loved me. Here it is, you loved me before the foundation of the world. Here is the father loving his son, delighting in his son, treasuring his son, and vice versa, it is the son who loves the father. And so here in eternity past is this love that is expressed among the members of the Godhead. Again, Wayne Grudem says this, the love between the father and the son also presumably characterizes the relationship with the Holy Spirit, even though it is not explicitly mentioned, this eternal love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit makes heaven a world of love and joy because each person of the Trinity seeks to bring joy and happiness to the other two. So here's a little bit of insight into the Trinity and the... Fellowship that was enjoyed in communion before the world ever began. So the Triune God eternally existed before the world in this inner Trinitarian fellowship in which there was this overflowing love from the Father to the Son, the Son to the Spirit, and and, uh, all the members of the Godhead. And so there was this delight in one another and a perfect contentment and happiness among the, the members of the Godhead. So God did not become loving because he made us or created the world and had been someone to love. No, for all eternity, God who is love, and because he is a trinity, was never lonely. He, he was never needy. He didn't need a creation. He didn't need people to love, but he was love, and this was demonstrated in eternity past and What we find then in creation is that this love spills over into the creation. there is this overflowing love of God that was enjoyed among the members of the godhead, and now this love spills out as the Lord creates the triunity of love overflows and is witnessed as we look at creation and Of course, central to Genesis 1 is Genesis 1, 26 and 27, that there God made image bearers. God made those who were in his likeness. They were in many ways like God, and among some of the ways in which we are like God is that we are personal beings, aren't we? We have personality, and we have personal relationships with one another, and we enjoy personal relationships, and this is a reflection of our triune God, who is a personal being, and each member of the Godhead, personal beings that enjoyed and loved one another. But not only that, this personal personal personality that we have is something that we not just have relationships with one another, but we also have a relationship with God. They had a relationship with God to know him. So in the cool of the the day, God would come. He would walk with Adam and Eve there in the garden. And God created them, again, not because he was needy, but this is the overflow of his love. Michael Reeves says that love is not a mere reaction with this God. In fact, it is not a reaction at all. God's love is creative. Love comes first. He gives life and being as a free gift for his very life, being and goodness is yeasty, spreading out that there might be more that is truly good. It's yeasty. What is, ye- what is a lump of dough that has been has yeast? What does it do? It begins to begin to expand and, and, and grow and he says this is God's love and being in goodness. It's yeasty and it's spreading out that there might be more that is truly good. And that's what we find in this creation in Genesis 1. So that we get to the end of Genesis 1 and God looks at everything that he has made and he says, he makes this pronouncement upon it. He saw everything that he made and it was very good. And this is the overflowing love of God. As we think about what that paradise might have been like. I mean, we live in a fallen world that's under a curse, and we still see the beauty of the creation that still remains upon our world. Um, what a beautiful day we have enjoyed, these fall days to see the blue skies, and it's a little warmer today, but usually milder temperatures, and just a, a wonderful time of the year as we look at the creation around us But here is this wonderful world that God created in love to his creation, and it overflows. And here's this paradise full of good things, beautiful things, a variety of things for the blessing and the good of his image bearers. And as we know, as the story goes, that sin disrupted that fellowship. Eve took the bait of Satan, rather than loving God, she loved something more than God, and so did Adam. They loved themselves. Here this love that they had for God was now twisted and bent inward. The soul becomes bent inward upon itself, and rather than loving God, this love is perverted, twisted, And Paul says to Timothy that men became lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. And we really become the center of attention, don't we? William Temple said this, Our sin means that we make ourselves in a thousand different ways the center of the universe. We make ourselves in a thousand different ways the center of the universe. So here is this love now that has been perverted and bent in upon itself, and uh, it does not reflect the image of God in terms of love. Um, So it was God's purpose to have a people like his son that would be the objects of his love even even though they... Were his enemies. And so that leads us to speak about the overflowing love of God in salvation. We could speak about God's love, sometimes referred to as God's common grace that comes to even unregenerate people, that God is even good to them. They enjoy blessings from God. Jesus talks about that God causes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust. They receive rain for their crops. He also makes the sun to rise or to shine upon the just and the unjust. They too have the sun to enjoy. And so there is this common grace that is experienced, which is, I think, in, in, in a sense, uh, the love of God, a common grace that they enjoy. But there is this special love of God that overflows in terms of salvation. And so in grace, Abraham was told that he would be the father of many nations, the father of many people. And in Exodus 4.22, as we think about the children of Israel as they're down in Egypt, say to Pharaoh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So here is this idea of a son, um, And restoring what has been lost. Turn to Romans 8. This is familiar, I think, to all of us. But Romans 8, 29. Well, let's read verse 28. And it says there, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So here is God's plan. Here is a part of the decrees of God, that he has purposed to have a people that are going to be conformed to the image of his Son so that Jesus will be the firstborn of many brethren. So God is restoring what has been lost in the fall. Uh, Michael Reeves again says, The father so delighted in his son that his love for him overflowed so that the son might be the firstborn of many sons. God does not begrudge having someone else beside him. He enjoys it. He has always enjoyed showering his love on his son And in creating, he rejoices to shower it on children he loves through the Son. So turn again, if you will, back to John 17. And we have, I think, just some amazing things that Jesus prays and says here in this prayer. And in these verses, we find two amazing statements. John 17, verse 22. Now, let's go back to verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, speaking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That would be us. We have come to believe the gospel through them, through the record that they have left and we have, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. See what Jesus prays here. The glory that you have given me, you gave to me, I have given to them that they may may be one. And then another amazing statement, verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and you have loved them as you have loved me. Look at that last statement. That you have loved them as you have loved me. For all eternity past, the Father had loved his son and delighted in him and now he says that you have loved them as you have loved me. It's an amazing, humbling statement that Jesus makes here concerning this love of God. And so this love comes to us, and God loves us in a unique and a special way. For you're in Christ, He loved us before the world began. John 15:9, Jesus makes this statement, "As the Father has loved me, even so I have loved you. <laughs> Just as the Father has loved me, now, I in the same way have loved you. Why does he do this? Why would we be the recipients of such love like that? Is it because we are so winsome, <laughs> so beautiful? so adorable, desirable. No, we know that's not the case. We know that we were those who were the enemies of God. And so these verses from 1 John 4, in this is the love of God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And here in his love, it's not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Christ absorbed the wrath of God in our place. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. Galatians 2.20, he loved me. And he gave himself for me. And so as we think of this overflowing love of God that's seen in creation, and now we see it in redemption, we we see this great love with which we have known that has come from God. And this love has been manifested in history, in time, when Jesus Christ came into this world 2,000 years ago, God so loved the world that he sent his own dear beloved son, and he died on the cross for our sins. But also, God has loved us in that he has done something in us in this present time in our life. So turn again, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 2, a familiar chapter I think that we all greatly appreciate here at Bible Chapel I mentioned this this morning, but here, as Paul speaks about the fact that we were those who were dead in sin and transgressions, we walked according to the course, verse 2, the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Here we are, our soul is bent inward upon ourselves, and we make ourselves in a thousand different ways the center of the universe, of our little universe. We were not loving God, we were not seeking God, But God, but God, who is rich, notice this, rich in mercy, and then because of his, not just his love, but his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved, and you have been raised up together, and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What an an amazing set of verses. What will that be like? How will that be an eternity future that, God will display to us the exceeding riches of his grace and what he has done for us. I don't know how that will be, but we will come to know and appreciate more and more of this great love with which we have been loved. So herein we see something of God's overflowing love that comes to people living east of Eden in a fallen world under a curse. And it has come to us. And it is here that we learn something about God that had there never been a fall, we would never know. There would be a side of God that we would not know apart from fall and sin. And uh, that is the magnanimous love of God. I'm going to read some verses from... Romans 9 and uh, verse 22. Well, verse 21, "Does does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Now, verse 22, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, he endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. These are amazing verses too, humbling verses, vessels of wrath, that God endures, that he might show vessels of mercy, his glory. They have been prepared for this from eternity past, that they might see his glory. And there is something about God that we would not know apart from the fall, apart from sin. And that is his, the riches of his love and grace and his mercy and his kindness that has come to us. In Jesus Christ. You remember the woman that brought her very expensive perfume. She busted into this dinner party where Jesus was. And she took this costly perfume and she lavished it on Jesus. Anointing him and washing his feet and pouring out this costly perfume upon her. And the people weren't real happy with this. It kind of disrupted the dinner Uh, but they didn't like this woman who was known as a sinner and they didn't like her expending all this money and pouring it out on Jesus. And Jesus makes the comment there, where there is much forgiveness, there is much love. There's much forgiveness, there is much love. There's a sense in which we have come to know the love of God in a way that we could not otherwise know it, as he has redeemed us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we think about this overflowing love, this overflowing love of God is something that is seen in the new creation. Those born of God now have been taught to love like God. First John 4, 7, and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not does not love, does not know God, for God is love. And as Jesus washed the disciples' feet in John 13, a new commandment he says, I give unto you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Here is Jesus washing the feet of these disciples, their their dirty feet. And I have demonstrated love toward you. And now you in the same way manifest that very same kind of love in loving one another. It was our privilege today to come to the Lord's table. This do in remembrance of me. Remember this this outpouring of love that we have known from God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we think about this attribute of God, it, like holiness, it casts its luster upon other attributes. The grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness that, that we know because of that, the benevolence and kindness of God, these again flow to us because God is love. Well, we'll end there. And uh, if you will, let's stand and we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer.